and I'll get Michael in here next. Good morning, Michael. Morning. Good morning, sir. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm looking for some uh, privacy plants for the front of my house. It's facing north, but it gets a decent amount of sun. Okay. Um, most of the day, but I'm looking for something that, if possible, I can actually get food off of as well. Mm, now that's a little bit more of a tall order. Is this something you want to plant up against the house, or is this something that you want to plant out uh, as a barrier hedge in front of the home? It would be a barrier hedge in front of the home, because if it's too close to the house, I wouldn't get enough sunlight on it. Okay, very good. Uh, The problem is there's not a lot out there that's evergreen that's going to produce something that you can enjoy consuming. Uh, If you don't mind having it leafless for a little while, uh, it's hard to beat pomegranate. Get uh, get your old standard variety like Wonderful, which is going to grow, gosh, the ones in my garden are probably 8, 10 feet tall. You can prune them to keep them a little bit shorter. But they are so dense. They grow as a big bush, and uh, they are so dense that they offer a reasonable amount of privacy, uh, even when they're leafless in the middle of the winter. Um, other things that you could grow, you could always put a fence and then plant something like grapevines on it or um, grow something like blackberries up against it that's going to give you a nice little thorny barrier. But getting up to be a big visual barrier, uh, pomegranates are the principal thing that comes to mind. I'm uh, I'm just not thinking of a lot of other things that are going to be there on a perennial basis that are going to be there. Um, they're going to be relatively dense uh, year-round, but pomegranates, I think, would be a good choice. Otherwise, I'd be looking at anything from Pittosporum to Nandinas to many different kinds of viburnum. Now, loquat is another one. If you want a, uh, they call Chinese plum, and uh, some people like them, some people don't, but uh, loquat certainly will give you an abundance of fruit. They grow very quickly, and they get up to be a pretty good size. If you don't prune them, they'll be uh, eight feet tall and eight feet wide. Okay. Uh, the pomegranate, how far apart would you plant those? If you want a real dense hedge, I'd probably put them four feet center to center. If you, uh, They will still grow together and touch if you put them as much as eight feet apart. Okay. Um, and they are evergreen. They will be a nice privacy hedge. And they get thick enough, they actually give you a fairly good sound barrier as well. Okay. Uh, I also have another question. I purchased an apple tree it was a uh oh it was an anna apple uh-huh and i got it got it from a, a box store because they had it on sale last year trying to get rid of it okay but when i went i went to plant it early this year when it was still cool and i noticed that there's hardly any roots left on it okay so it, it's right now it's it's growing but there's only a few leaves it's not really doing much growing at okay. all here's a um a few more things to know about apples um the how how tall is this tree how big how big a tree is it it's probably about six foot tall but there's pretty much no branches on it okay it's got a few leaves hanging off the sides and where are the leaves coming out are they up on the higher branches or are they coming off the trunk what uh, where are the leaves uh, showing up on the tree? Um, mainly on the higher branches. Okay. Um, 
Had we talked, you know, six weeks ago, I would have suggested that you cut it back um, just to kind of bring the top and the roots kind of back in balance. But at this point, that plant needs every one of those leaves. So uh, we're going to have to think about pruning it back a bit uh, next winter when the leaves are off. For the time being, I would be... um, I'd, I'd be doing several things because, you know, uh, the root system, of course, takes up water and nutrients. It's compromised at this point because it doesn't have a lot of roots. So when we get back into drier weather and you know it's coming, uh, water it thoroughly whenever that soil's dry, like an inch deep. But in the meantime, Every time you think about it, every time you've got your hose in your hand, just spray up and down the trunk of that tree because while its roots are a little bit compromised, it will actually absorb a great deal of water through that soft bark. And a lot of times, uh, especially on bare root trees, on any tree that doesn't have a lot of root, in fact, any plant that doesn't have a lot of root, that misting the top, as it were, many times is sort of the difference in life and death. Now, fertilizing, I think you're going to get more benefit from a liquid fertilizer, whether it's a Spoma or Medina or any of the good liquid fertilizers. I'd be doing that like every two or three weeks. And, you know, I'm I'm sure you expose the root flare, flare properly. This this tree's not planted too deeply. But at this point, it's just kind of going to be give it some time. The first thing it's got to do is get some roots reestablished. And then the second thing it will do is start putting on more foliage on the top. Now, uh, Anna is a pretty fair apple for this area. So uh, it's one of the low-chilling apples. I believe it's one of the Israeli apples. To get good production, you're going to have to get a second apple tree. So you might want to think about planting a Dorset Gold, an Einshimmer. Um, there are quite a few Lodi. There are quite a few of these lower-chilling apples. Yellow Delicious is on that list. Red is not. But uh, at some point, I, I suspect you're probably three years from really having the potential, three years away from having the potential to produce much fruit. But sometime in the next three years, you need to plant a second tree uh, just so that you get cross-pollination. Otherwise, you're going to get very few apples. But at this point, that kind of misting, that spraying up and down on the trunk when we get back into warmer, drier weather, that's probably going to be the life-or-death factor for this tree. A uh, little bit of mulch over the roots will help, but just anything you can to stimulate some good root growth. The top growth will follow the root growth. We're really more concerned right now about what's going on below soil level. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes, makes total sense, yes. All right. Um, also, what about uh, kumquats? I, I bought me a kumquat tree, uh-huh. and uh, I know it's supposed to be one of the more cold-hardy citrus. Right, right. Um, how low a potential do we have to worry about before <laughs> I have to worry about that tree? Kumquats, uh, probably down to about 20 degrees. Uh, if it's going to get colder than that. And, you know, it's, it's real hard to pick a temperature because look at this past fall when we had, uh, you know, a very unexpected, very early cold. Didn't get that cold, only got down into the upper 20s. But it froze stuff that never freezes because the plants hadn't had any chance to harden off. So uh, as a general rule, I'm going to tell you not to worry about your kumquats down, down close to the teens. But if we get... Just if we go from being 80 degrees one day to the forecast of even 26 or 28, that's going to bother your kumquat just like it bothered Asiatic jasmine and all the viburnums and all the plants that don't normally freeze but froze last fall anyway. But as a general rule, down 20 degrees is going to be fine. Did you get the sweet kumquat or the sour kumquat? 
this week on Glow. Oh, you'll love that one. The little one's called Miwa, and uh, it can produce year-round. And, of course, you know with kumquats, you can eat the skin and all. You don't have to peel your kumquats. You're going to really love having that one in the garden. All right. Yeah, and this is one of the ones I the only place I could find it was from one of the box stores, and of course they tell you that they spray. I uh, forget what it's called. Neonicotinoids. Yeah, there, yeah. There you go. I remember you talking to a lady before about uh, something to do with the molasses or seaweed to help break that down, maybe. Yeah, but you know, uh, it's going to be. Yeah, it doesn't have any fruit on it at this point, does it? No, and it, it was actually starting to get some blooms, but I just picked those off so I didn't take a chance. Well, uh, in you know, the neonicotinoids don't stay in the plant. I'm not really concerned about that. They're absolutely deadly to bees, is why I think they ought to be taken off the market. But don't worry about the fruit on your kumquat. When it produces, it's going to be clean and delicious. Okay. And check right. out check out um, Greengate over there. It's uh, under different ownership at this point, but uh, they're still bringing in a lot of good citrus. And uh, I know at least at some times of the year they usually have uh, have kumquats and things over there. You know where they are, 123 Bypass over there on the east edge of Seguin. Right, right. Yeah, I've been there plenty of times. Um, <laughs> well, they're, they're a little better than the box store. And at least sometimes a year they'll have what you're looking for. All right. Um, I've also picked up a, a pineapple guava. What, mm-hmm. what do you know about those? They make a big bush. They will produce a little fruit, but they're grow more as an ornamental shrub. It will be one of the most unusual flowers that you have ever seen. Uh, but uh, it's going to make a bush going to be maybe six feet tall, four feet wide. Okay. So do you think those would maybe work for that privacy hedge I was talking about? Yeah. As a matter of fact, that would work. Um, they're going to be, they're not going to be as thick and dense as some other things, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That would be something to at least include in the mix out there. Okay. All right. Well, I believe that does it for me. You call me back when you think of more. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. We'll talk again. All right. It's going to be Marie and Elaine and Faye and Marie's up first. Good morning, Marie. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Oh, it's just a nice morning out there. It's unusually cool for this time of year, and uh, I don't know, it just feels good. It, it's, uh, it'd be a great morning to be out walking. Some of us have to sit behind this microphone, but I hope you're going to get out and enjoy. Well, actually, I just drove up to my floral shop in Yorktown. <laughs> okay, now I know who I'm talking to. to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's what is it they say? Work is the curse of the drinking class. I think that's a, a little reversal of the way that phrase was originally used. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's something we do. But thank goodness, I think we both enjoy our work. Oh yes, sir. Well, I just wanted to let you know, I bought an orchid tree from you, and I need to know a few details about how to take care of that little thing. Did you get the uh, Hong Kong orchid tree or the anacacho? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Real tall one. It's about um, about six foot. Yeah. And just plant it out in good sun. Give it, uh, you know, water as you would any other tree. You've seen the one in our parking lot. It's going to fairly quickly be 15 feet tall and 15 feet wide. So give it room. But the beauty of that Hong Kong orchid tree is, provided it doesn't freeze back, and which it may do, you're not going to have as much cold weather in Yorktown as we do in San Antonio. But uh um, if it does freeze back, it'll sometimes stop flowering for several months, but it can bloom almost year-round. But 
other than that, just treat it like a big shrub, small tree, plenty of sun, plenty of water, fertilize three or four times a year, and it'll do the rest. Approximately how much diameter does that, I mean, spread does it get? How much ring do I need for? Uh, 15 feet at least. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I needed to know. I appreciate it. Well, you have a happy Mother's Day and uh, stay busy. I, as you know, I grew up in the florist business, so uh, Mother's Day is a lot of fun and a lot of work. So get out and enjoy, and we'll talk again. Yes, sir. You have a great day. Thank you, Mary. You do. Goodbye. You too. Uh, Bye-bye. All right. Elaine's turn next. Good morning, Elaine. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you this uh, day before Mother's Day? I am very good. Thank you. Excellent. I have a question about vincas. I'm having problems with them. I used to plant them in a flower bed in full sun, mm-hmm. and they flourished. And about three years ago, this place where I plant them, they all started dying. Okay. So I switched over, and in the summertime, I was planting uh, miniature zinnias last summer. They did well. Mm-hmm. This fall, I did um, uh, pansies, and they did quite well, too. But I wanted to try the new tattoo vincas. Right. So I switched over to them. And now they're all dying. What's what's happening? It's too darn chilly. Vincas are hot weather plants. The disease you're looking at is called Phytophthora. And if there are two things that Vincas hate, it's chilly mornings and, well, chilly days and too much moisture. Vincas would prefer that it was uh, bright and never rained and that you just watered them, not, you know, spraying water on them from the top but just laying the hose on the ground and letting them run so the foliage always stayed dry you know in past we have normally not even recommended planting vincas until may and this may i tell you 50 in the 50s in the mornings that's just kind of unheard of vincas just don't like it that chilly the disease they get is called phytophthora most all the new varieties, the cores, the tattoos, most of these new ones are, they call them phytophthora resistant. But when we get excess moisture and chilly temperatures, unfortunately, you know, you're going to see some of this. I would, between crops, I would uh, dust that area fairly liberally with cornmeal because this you have a lot of this disease is in the soil And when it rains or when you're watering from above, it splashes the disease spores, even though you can't see them. It splashes up up on the foliage of the plants, and then this is how it gets started. Uh, Once we get into hotter, drier weather, which we know is coming, it's going to be much less of a problem. But, uh, you know, I think it's... um, I think you're good to rotate things around. Uh, the vincas seem to be about the only one of the plants that are very susceptible to phytophthora. Now, snapdragons have some similar issues, but pansies in the winter months and uh, or dianthus or petunias even not going to be much bothered by it. But it's pretty much specific to the vinca, but we're, we're just not having good vinca weather yet. Okay, how much cornmeal? are you talking about just like a heavy salt and pepper you swear you can see it on the soil but it doesn't make a layer okay and do this a couple of times a year i mean this would uh it just it generates the trichoderma fungus which just fights off most all the bad fungi okay so don't water them very much and And when uh, you water lay that hose on the ground and just let it soak the soil they don't like being watered from above okay okay how do you spell phytophthora P-H-Y-T-O, 
T-H-E-R-A, P-H-Y-O-P-T-H-E-R-A, I believe. I'd have to, I'll write it down in a minute here on the log and see if that roots, if that looks right. But it starts out P-H-Y-T-O, Phytophthora. Okay. So you think that I'm rotating enough other flowers in there that that's not a problem? I, yeah, and, and the rotation is, is not really i mean it's uh the the spores of this fungal disease remain in the soil for a much longer period of time you just happen to be planting things that are not susceptible to phytophthora so there's they're just uh a safe thing to plant that you don't have to worry about the disease causing on those problems caused uh, on those plants uh, like you do on the other vinca so do you think if i wait till it starts getting really hot and going and getting getting out the cornmeal and dusting it all, and then replanting because I planted about eighty of them. Oh and wow! I go out there and they're like, "Oh no!" What yeah, I I think you would probably be fine, but you know, it's just uh, uh, who knows what the weather is going to do. We are still in this weak El Nino pattern, and it looks like we may be there for a while. So. And not that you can believe most of the meteorologists, but the one guy that I talked to says we may be in for above average rainfall for an extended period of time. So I might not plant another 80 of them. I might plant another 20 or 30 of them to enjoy, but I'm going to be planting more profusion zinnias and, you know, little, uh, oh, there's several different things that would also take the heat very well. But I, I'm going to be a little cautious with the vincas uh, until we get back into a definitely drier period. Because I was perplexed. I thought, they always did well. They take mm-hmm. the heat so well. They can take these 100-degree temperatures. But when and, when do you remember 50 degrees in May and, uh, you know, almost constant uh, rain and moisture and very few sunny days? It's been a crazy spring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's true. That's I never thought of that. I thought there was a bug in there or something was wrong. <laughs> no, it's a bug in the weather. And I found one grub worm. I'm going, okay, it's probably that. No. Know? No, Phytophthora, uh, look it up. You'll find some things you probably didn't want to know about it. But it's okay. uh, Phytophthora is just uh, the bane of the periwinkles. And like I say, the the seed industry has made a big effort, and they've done a very good job of creating Phytophthora-resistant strains. But there is no Phytophthora-proof uh, vinca on the market. Hmm. Well, that's a new one, so I really appreciate the information. I really enjoy your show all the time. Well, I, I appreciate that and wish you a happy Mother's Day. Yes, sir. Thank you, and you have a great one. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, Flo, or Faye is the only one waiting, so it'll be a great time to call 210-599-5555 while I punch that button and say good morning, Faye. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Are you a little wet again over in your part of the world? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think we probably had 10 inches. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you're not in an area prone to flooding, but it uh, it's just, you know, you hate to complain about the rain, but for, and, and for our listeners, I know you're over uh, in the Houston area, but uh, y'all are just have more than you need. Well, it it really is true. Just uh, coming on the right after uh, you know, two years of just lots of water, and the right. top kind of dries. You know, the top of the soil dries out, but uh, you realize that there's the the you you and I have talked about the ground level. Uh, right, right. It's 
it's not very it's pretty wet over here it's well right. that's why you're so green and that's why you have such nice big beautiful trees but uh just be nice to have a little break in between so just know we're we're thinking about you and hoping that uh uh, hoping that the rain isn't as severe. I know you've got more moving into the area today. So uh, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody that's in a lower area. But how can I help you this morning? Well, I grow because of some of that in the property. Uh, we we don't flood, which is great. But the other side of it is um, I'm using pots, large containers to, mm-hmm. to do the vegetables with. And so um, right now they're trying to dry out. But, right. Uh, I just have some questions, particularly about tomatoes, um, trying to uh, uh, get the most out of the season as possible. And I, it seems like I've had them do real well early in the season and not, and you'll talk about how yours carry on and mine get uh uh, kind of give up earlier sure, their, their sure. best fruiting. And uh, one thing we have is some leaves that are kind of curling a bit, and then there's the yellowing. And I've worked real hard to to have uh, the cornmeal and so forth. Right. But could you just give me some ideas on how best to extend that season for them? They're really loaded right now, just beautiful tomatoes. Well, so, it's, uh, it's partly varietal. And what you're always going to find is the smaller fruited types. Uh, it's nighttime temperatures are what uh, slow down the production on tomatoes, and we can't change the weather. When the weather starts really getting warm, the bigger fruited tomatoes stop setting fruit. So mixing in and, and just kind of watching your varietal selection and what does best in your garden, I found a handful of bigger tomato types uh, for a good big slicing tomato in my garden arkansas traveler continues to produce after the celebrities and the purple cherokee and things like that have really slowed down but a lot of that's just kind of beyond our control because this temperature is what is doing it but i have found that things like porter which is kind of a golf ball sized tomato is another one that continues producing later into the summer and of course the cherry types uh sweet 100 sun gold those are always two of my favorites along with juliet uh they don't pay any attention at all to the night temperature so they will go on setting fruit now disease issues are a number another thing and your cornmeal is good but the thing i would add to that mix is get some liquid garlic you'll probably buy it either under the name of garlic barrier or mosquito barrier and make that a part of your regular spraying program Um, we have to be careful in the rest of the garden because garlic can tend to repel the bees but tomatoes of course are wind pollinated rather than being insect pollinated so you can spray away with your garlic and not worry about whether the bees come around or not but garlic actually stimulates so many beneficial fungi that the um that the early blight the which is probably what the yellowing is the different leaf spotting septorias and things like that uh just can't get started as easily so if you're not already doing it i would make liquid garlic uh you know a a regular part of your spray program and i think it's going to keep your plants healthier but as far as producing later into the season it's more variety versus nighttime temperature and uh we and again that's why i think record keeping is so important you 
you kind of keep up with how late some of the different varieties continue to set fruit. And like I say, in my garden, uh, Arkansas Traveler is probably the best uh, red one. Um, the yellow ones, the Lemon Boy and the tomato, I haven't been able to find yet this year, but one called Carolina Gold, which is a good, big yellow tomato. That one seems to go on in my garden, setting fruit a little bit later into the season. So just keep experimenting with varieties, but pay special attention to uh, uh, how they seem to be impacted by night temperature. Well, that's very helpful. And I did uh, get a lot, uh, well, several at least of those smaller varieties, and they're just loaded there. Oh, and they will continue to be. They will continue to be. And they're, I, you know, you can't slice them to put on hamburgers, but, man, they're good in salads. And I walk into the garden, and I just start grabbing a, you know, handful of sun golds and just eating them straight off the vine. They're hard to beat. Well, um, those are all good ideas, and we'll probably try to get a few of these next year that uh, um, these other varieties you mentioned for some of the larger ones, mm-hmm. but keep on relying on those smaller ones. That's that's fine. <laughs> I can cut those up and put them in anything. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> well, thank you, Bob. Those are my um, – the, oh, the leaves. Uh, I might go back to that a little bit. Uh, some curling – of the leaves on some of the tomatoes again probably more weather than anything else you know we get this extreme disease they call curly top but that's not what you're looking at you're just seeing that uh, normal leaf curl that we have when we don't have enough sun and when we go from low humidity to high humidity and back all the time i wouldn't be concerned at this point keep up your seaweed spray because spider mites will cause some leaf curl as well that's one nice thing about the cooler temperatures is that the mites aren't showing up yet, but that liquid seaweed along with the garlic, those are going to keep your leaves in better shape. Oh, great. Well, you covered all my basic needs this morning. So well, you, so you have much. a good Mother's Day, and we will talk again soon. All right, back to gardening. We're going to talk to Rosemary and then to Billy, and Rosemary is up first. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling about my mountain laurel. Okay. I had a man come see about some other things, and he pointed out to me that this mountain laurel had little red bugs. Mm-hmm. And I did see one, but what is it, and is it bad? Well, they tell you that your mountain laurel's a little stressed because every mountain laurel in the hill country in San Antonio is stressed as wet as it's been. Mount laurel's a tree, a plant that loves it dry. And uh, about the only time we see problems with mountain laurels is when they are staying wetter than they want to stay. This little bug is a nuisance. You might get a little bit of deformed foliage, but it certainly is not anything you need to be overly concerned or upset about and i wouldn't have anybody out there spraying poisons around if you want to spray with little spinosad or something like that you certainly can but don't worry about the bug doing severe damage to your mountain laurel i mean we're all concerned that things are staying too wet if you have a sprinkler system uh just don't water it it doesn't it's going to be it's going to be three or four months before that water that mountain laurel needs a drop of water whether it continues to rain or not so I'm much more concerned about the issue of too much moisture than the little red mountain laurel bug. He's really nothing to worry about. Oh, good. And several months ago, I called you about an orchid that the, the instructions said to one ice cube. <laughs> right. And you told me to soak it. Yeah. Well, it's back to life, and I want to thank you for that. Oh, you are certainly welcome. Orchids are... 
Oh, they're among the easiest of plants to grow, especially these phalaenopsis, which is what everybody seems to be selling these days because they're one of the ones that doesn't take super bright light. But as I've told you, once you've really learned to grow them successfully, they become highly addictive, and it's hard to hard to stop acquiring more and more. So you're uh, you're on the road to recovery, but you may also be finding a new addiction, Rosemary. So just just don't say I didn't warn you. Okay. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day. And you have a happy Mother's Day as well. For us, it's actually happy anniversary, too. We actually opened our Shades of Green. We opened our doors on Mother's Day 38 years ago. So uh, uh, we're we're celebrating that as well. It sure doesn't seem possible it's been that long. But you have a happy Mother's Day, and I know we'll talk again soon. And I will get Billy in here right now. Good morning, Billy. Morning, Mr. Webster. Well, as I always tell you now, Mr. Webster was my father. I'm Bob. But <laughs> how can I help you? I, I apologize. No, don't plug, apologize. Yeah. Plug, plug aeration. Uh-huh. Good, bad, and different. Uh... Well, it's bad for your sprinkler system. I see a lot of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I see a lot of holes put in, in sprinkler pipes, but uh, it's what they really call it. They call it core aerifying. And if you get to run something over the ground and punch holes in it, it's much better that it's a little hollow spike. But I just don't think it's necessary. If you're on, uh, I mean, if, and I know you're not, but uh, if you were one of these guys who was dumping that high nitrogen synthetic fertilizer weed killer combination out there, yeah, you almost have to core aerify because that type of fertilizer makes your soil harder. It burns out all the organic material, and uh, that's why so many of the golf courses and places like that do it. But where you are fertilizing with a organic product where you're not worrying about thatch, your thatch, what would build up as thatch in somebody else's yard, is actually turning into a composting material which is releasing humic acids and things into the soil which soften it naturally the way mother nature intended no i'm not a big fan of core aerifiers they don't really hurt anything but they uh, they can bust up your sprinkler system they're expensive uh they're a little hard to use and in my experience they are totally unnecessary now if i were forced to move into a home that just had rock hard soil because the people have been doing it wrong Maybe I would consider it one time, but I, you know, for the money, I think a thin layer of compost is going to do all the things that core aerifying would and have much more long-lasting effects. So don't let anybody talk you into it. Okay. Uh, I guess right now would be a good time to put compost down. It seems to be staying cool, so I would say yes. Typically, by this time of year, we're having days up in the 90-degree range, 90 and above. And when it gets that hot, that's getting a little bit too warm to put your compost out. But uh, Mother Nature has just blessed us with some some not-too-severe weather when it comes to temperature. So I think you're fine, but be watching that temperature when we start getting up. Uh, upper 80s, lower 90s, that's a time we're not going to be, we're going to be using the compost as a mulch around our shrubs and in our vegetable gardens, but we're not going to be dumping it on the turf grass at that point. Okay, good advice. Uh, I sure do appreciate it. Well, I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and uh, thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Billy. Bye. All right, we're going to talk to Danny, and uh, David is up first. Good morning, David. Hello, Bob. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, I ordered some uh, Moringa seeds from a guy in Florida, and he also sent me some hemp seeds. 
with okay. them. And he said, if you plant them with the, the Moringa, it helps the soil. But I'm wondering, is it legal to plant hemp in Texas? Um, you know, that's a good question. I don't think anyone would um, would question planting. I mean, hemp has been grown as a commercial crop for rope and everything else. But, um, ah, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to ask, but I, I've never seen any directive or anything that said that it was illegal to plant. Now, some uses of it. Uh, are illegal and you certainly have to be licensed to sell many of the products that are made from it but um gosh if it's uh uh, i i I don't i would not anticipate a problem i tell you what next time uh at lunch with the bernie police chief last week i'll i'll try to talk to jim or talk to the sheriff up there and find out for sure an answer on that for you but uh to the best of my knowledge it's not illegal to plant well, that's good. Um, another question I have is the Moringa seeds that I bought, they don't seem to be doing so well. I mean, I've, I've sprouted several batches of them, and I've always been pretty successful, but these are not. I'm wondering, is there anybody locally that sells the Moringa seeds that I could buy from them? It's not a plant that will take our winters very well, so I don't know anyone that's offering that plant for sale. Do you have a propagating mat? Do you have a little warm mat to germinate your seed on? No, what I've been using is uh, I use an ice chest, and I put a light bulb in it with a can of water, and, and uh, it works pretty well. Oh, yeah. Just go go spend 25 bucks and get yourself a propagating mat. It's going to work a lot better for you. Uh, give those seeds, you know, I, I soak them very briefly in uh, a little Garrett juice is what I use as my thing to speed up seed germination. I think you just need to get that soil hotter. Moringa is a real hot weather plant. That's why it does so well in Florida and not so well in most of Texas. So I think you're just looking at a cool spring is your only real problem with it. Okay. All right. And uh, my maybe I'll even maybe I'll even text my one of my friends in law enforcement and see if I can get you a for sure answer on that because I don't want to cause any problems for either one of us. But I I've not heard that uh, now you know at, at there is a, you know well no there's so many different kinds of kinds of hemp yeah it'd be illegal to plant marijuana but most of the other hemp's I don't believe would fall into that category but uh, I'll see what I can find out for you. Okay, I'll be listening. Maybe somebody will call and tell you. (laughs) That sounds like a good plan to me, David. You have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, Tony's turn. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Bob. How are you, sir? Uh, Just another nice day out there. And uh, can't seem to make up his mind whether it's going to rain or shine, but we're going to enjoy the day, whatever it does. It's raining here pretty good in Somerset. Yeah. uh, It's... It's just been a most unusual year. This is this is actually what, like I say, I have a meteorologist friend sort of consults with our groundwater district, and this guy works for an environmental services company. As I like to say, he's paid to be right, and uh, he he told us that uh, you know we are under this uh, weak El Nino pattern, which typically 
produces more rain than usual, and he was right on on that. And he also said his big concern is the potential for really severe weather as we warm up and we get the hot air fighting the cold air. But from what he tells me, it may continue for some time. So, uh, uh, you know, like I always say, I'd rather see it too wet than too dry. So we're going to put up with That's it. Right. But a little, little sunshine between showers would be nice. Yes, sir. I believe that's what we'd like to see for our garden. So I've got a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind. Go right ahead. Um, first first year growing potatoes, my wife and I grew, uh, we basically have this wooden box that's got, you know, sides and slats in it. So we took some netting, um, put that down, and then we just put the medium that we're growing in. It's potting soil and uh, peat moss and okay. uh, different things. So uh, the plants shot up. They're great. There's probably 10 or 12 plants in this 4x4 uh, four four box or so. And then uh, they got to be about, I don't know, a foot tall. And mm-hmm. all of the leaves are curled all the time. They're still green, but the leaves are just constantly When curled. When did you plant your potatoes? Probably two months ago, a month, month and a half Okay, ago. you were a little late. We normally plant pe- potatoes in the middle of February. Uh, the curling of the leaves, uh, you may have some aphids on there. Um, I would either release some ladybugs or I'd spray with some insecticidal soap. Um, curling of the leaves should not influence your potato production that much. Now, um, hopefully we'll get a little more sunshine. Your soil will dry out a little bit more. Have you started probing around at the base of the plants? Uh, are you p- picking any new potatoes yet? Uh, I have I have not, no. Okay. Take your finger and start sticking down in the soil at the base of the plant. You'll find typically with especially red skin potatoes you're going to find little golf ball size uh, potatoes developing uh they'd be just you know half an inch under the surface of the soil you can be harvesting and enjoying those and not really having that much impact uh on the bigger potatoes that you're going to get as the tops of the plants die down which most years is less than a month away most of the time our potato plants start dying back about uh, early june and that's when we're going to dig them out and enjoy some of the bigger potatoes but um i you know i, I think you check for some aphids and if so nothing more than a little uh, soapy water or insecticidal soap should take care of it for you but curly leaves is not a bad thing on potatoes not all that abnormal okay awesome all right next question uh we have a bunch of pepper plants, different pepper plants, you uh-huh. know, bell peppers, uh, yellow bells. I've got some ghost pepper in there and some other things. And uh, they, right now, the bell peppers are just real stunted. They're real mm-hmm. short. Yep. They don't get they don't get real long. Do you have any ideas there? Yeah, not enough sun, not enough heat. Peppers are hot weather plants. You're also going to see some distortion in the foliage, which is probably a little virus that seems to bother them when the weather is chilly. It will totally go away as soon as we get to a warmer temperature. Uh, your bells, you're actually going to get your biggest fruit uh, while it is still cool. But my peppers are just sitting there. They've they've been sitting there for two months with hardly growing yeah. at all. And uh, it's all weather, weather, weather. They need some heat, and they need to get a little drier between waterings. And uh, so they kind of like the opposite of what we do. Be patient with them, and uh, they should do a lot better for you as the weather gets back a little bit more toward typical. Awesome. And then my last question, sir, would be, do you have any idea how to get rid of gophers? 
I trap them. Um, get a pair of gopher traps, and um, when you've got them in hand, let's talk sometime, and I'll tell you exactly how to set them. And um, you don't have as many gophers as you think, and they are really very easy to trap. So get your pair of Victor gopher traps, and I'll tell you how to use them.